Thank you for joining us on our Living Word Christian Center podcast. You're about to listen to one of our guest speakers. Open up your hearts and get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Show it to the church. Hold on just for a sec. Come on, get up here. There we go. <clears throat> and it was written by Alfred Lord Tennyson in 1850. And so I just want to read this to you. And I think it's apropos for this, for this Sunday morning service. Ring out, wild bells, to the wild sky. The flying clouds, the frosty light. The year is dying in the night. Ring out, wild bears, and let it die. Ring out the old, ring in the new. Ring happy bells across the snow. The year is going, let him go. Ring out the false, ring in the true. Ring out the grief that saps the mind. For those that hear we see no more. Ring out the feud of rich and poor. Ring in redress to all of mankind. Ring out the slowly dying cause and ancient forms of party strife. Ring in the nobler modes of life with sweeter manners, purer laws. Ring out the want, the care, the sin, the faithless coldness of the times. Ring out, ring out my mournful rhymes, but ring the fuller minstrel in. Ring out the false pride in place and blood, the civic slander and the spite. Ring in the love of truth and right. Ring in the common love of good. Ring out the old shapes of foul disease. Ring out the narrow lust of gold. Ring out the thousand years of old, wars of old. Ring in the thousand years of peace. Ring in the valiant man and free, the larger heart, the kindlier hand. Ring out the darkness of the land. Ring in the Christ who is to be. Amen. I think that this coming evening and your celebration before you all have to go back to work and all the things you need to do, you know, I think there's a place for us to have a nobler cause, a time of rightness and civility of the mind and to do the things that God's caused us and showed us that he wants us to do. We get fearful because we're afraid of doing the right thing because we think we're going to pay for it. Perhaps. But it's better to do the Lord's bidding than to sit on the idly by and grow old and timid and be no more. You know, in Leviticus chapter 23... Uh, there's a scriptures that talk about the feast days. And the feast days um, are in this chapter, and it talks about every year during the, the lunar calendar, not the solar, the lunar calendar, we have this um, calendar that we go by. And the first one that comes up to us is uh, Passover and then uh, 50 days later is the feast day of Sukkot, Pentecost, actually. You have your Passover, excuse me. 
and then you have uh, uh, Pentecost after that, 50 days later. And then uh, that's the time in the book of Acts when, you know, the Holy Spirit fell upon, you know, uh, 300 Jews and, uh, and roughly around that many. And uh, 3,000 souls were saved. All those souls were Jews. But the Jews didn't realize that God was getting them ready for the advent of the Gentiles coming in to the faith. And 10 years later, it would take 10 years to prepare these Jewish believers. So when the Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles, who would have ever thought that 2,000 years later, here you are? Children of Abraham grafted in to the Abrahamic tree of Judaism. You have been grafted in without having to be physically Jewish. You don't have to be circumcised and go all the, the physical laws, the heritage of the Jewish people. But you were grafted in with nothing to say. Did, did uh, you guys get that picture that we sent up? Did, did you guys get that? There it is. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Can you guys see what, what's happening there? The veil of the temple has been rent. When Yeshua, the Passover lamb, gave his life, the veil in the temple was rent in two. Can you imagine that priest looking and things begin to shake and the whole temple starting to shake and the blocks are falling down, everything's falling over. All of a sudden, in the Holy of Holies, the veil is rent in two. The veil is three feet thick. Did you know that? And the Lord showed all of us, and we know that me, that not only is Yeshua dying for the sins of Israel once and for all, but he died for you. He died for the world that the world may know who he was. The wonder of it. And so in Leviticus 23, uh, in verse 33, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fiftieth day of the seventh month shall be a feast of tabernacles, Sukkot, for seven days of the Lord. So we celebrate it for seven days. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. For seven days you shall offer an offering made to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation, and you shall offer offerings made by the Lord, made to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work on it. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as a holy convocation, an offer made to the fire by the, to the Lord, a burnt offering and a grain offering, a sacrifice and a drink offering every day on its day. Besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, besides your gifts, besides all your vows, and besides all your freewill offerings, which you will give to the Lord, also on the 50th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On that first day there shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day of it there shall be a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for you on the seventh and the first month the fruits on the beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Now, <clears throat> this is important because when we go, we go from that moment all the way to the point where the Roman legions had captured and had been 
occupying Judea and occupying all of the land of Israel, Yeshua was born in the midst of that. Rome had conquered Judea. It was occupied. There was great sorrow and great pain. And it was during that time that Yeshua would be born in Bethlehem. Why? Because Rome had determined that everybody had to go to the place that they were born to have a census of Rome so they can gather taxes. A very cruel time. And it was during that time that it was prophesied that a king would be born in Bethlehem. Now you say Bethlehem, right? Say this, Bethlehem. That's how you're supposed to say it, okay? It literally means bread house. You say bread house of bread, but it's actually bread house. And so it gives you a sense of plenty that something good was going to happen. Amen? And it was during this time that this is the place where the Levitical priests, not just, not just excuse me, the Levitical shepherds, not just reg, regular shepherds living in Bethlehem, but they would, all these Levitical shepherds would come and they would bring the sheep because it was during the time of the green season, during September, October, November, December. That's when everything turns green in Israel, like California. And so it was during this time that um, the Levitical shepherds would see the calves being born and they would inspect every calf, every little lamb. It, had, it couldn't have any blemishes. It had to be, look at me, perfect. And it was during this season, the first day of Sukkot. It was that time when all the Jews would live outside their homes in these little booths called sukkahs. And there they would have a little hole in the ceiling of their little sukkah, little branches made of branches and bows, all the things, the branches that were made of the palm branch, so forth. And they would look up at night and remind that God took care of the Jewish people during their 40 years in the wilderness. Can you imagine your shoes never wearing out? Can you imagine the Jews going, all right, I can see wearing these shoes for 10, two or three days, maybe five weeks, but for 40 years, you know? Your clothes never wore out. Can you imagine that? Your shoe's not wearing out. Your clothes not wearing out. And all the while, the Lord is testing the people of Israel and growing them up spiritually. You know, a lot of times, can I just say this to you? The Lord will take care of you during times of testing. There's a message in that. During a time of testing, he... He wants you to know that he loves you. How many have been through tough times or you've, you've sinned and you've done some stupid things and yet you keep wondering, why do you keep blessing me and taking care of me while I messed up so badly? And you can always hear the Lord's reply. Because I love you. <laughs> Deuteronomy 7 says, you are my treasured possession. Ooh. Can you imagine the Lord saying that about the Jewish people, the household of Israel? That's why the Lord, that's why the Lord allows so much envy and hatred towards the Jews. We're, we're the only people on the planet that are his physical people of God that he says, you're my treasured possession. Oh, hold on, there's more. And I love you, and you're not greater than other people. You're not greater, you're not better than other people. 
for you are the least of all people. But because, you ready? I love you, and I will keep my oaths to your forefathers. Now I'm going to say the same thing to you. Are you not grafted in? Okay, you're grafted in. You're a holy nation now, or amen? You're with the people of Israel, right? And if you go through trials, you know what the Lord's saying to you? You're my treasured possession. And I'm allowing you to go through these tough times because I love you. And you need to grow up. You need to grow up. And so it's during this time that the Lord allowed the Jewish people to keep the holy days faithfully, and they still do today. And it's during this time that Yeshua was born in not a manger, because people say, well, there's no room at the end. Well, there was plenty of rooms in people's houses, but they couldn't live in the house because they had to live in a sukkah outside the, for seven days outside. Now, you could go in and out, but you couldn't sleep. You couldn't sleep in your house. You had to sleep in your sukkah. I'll put the bonfire and so forth. So here comes Joseph and, and Miriam, or you call her Mary, right? Well, her actual name was in Hebrew, Miriam. Say that after me, Miriam. And Joseph is Yosef. Very good, very good. Yeah, it's good. You should hear some of the people I teach sometimes. You know, yo, this one country boy said one time, yo, so what? Mira who? You know, it was so funny. <clears throat> but it was during this time, it was so wonderful that he was born. And they, they got there and there was no place for them to go because everybody was in their own personal sukkah. It changes the picture, doesn't it? And so imagine all these houses with plenty of room and yet they couldn't go in out of obedience to the scripture. But they found the place, either a cave or, or and they... They had this strange device. Here's the donkey. And on the outside of the donkey, you have this, this looks like a trough where you put water in and wheat and all kinds of stuff to feed the animal. So Yeshua was even born in a more humbler way. He was born in a trough. Tell me if that's not humbling, a humble beginning. And so the Levitical shepherds, not just regular shepherds, the Levitical shepherds would have visited him on the first day of Sukkot. So you say, he wasn't born on December 25th? Well, no. You can celebrate any day you want to celebrate Jesus' birth. Amen? Amen? But he was born biblically to fulfill Scripture on the first day of Sukkot. Wow. Now, if you're listening and you're watching this program, I challenge you in the name of the Lord to go into the New Covenant documents and see the fulfillment of Scripture by going back and forth in the Torah, the prophets, the writings, and the New Testament. I challenge you that you come to know him. Yeshua was an Orthodox Jew, totally circumcised on the eighth day, completely Jewish, kept all the laws perfectly. That's why in the book of John it says, he was, you call it the, what, the word made Say it again. Word made. In the Hebrew, it's the Torah, the commandments, the word. Word or Torah or laws. The Torah made human for us. He was human. And he came for us for that purpose. 
And so when you get to that place, and I want you to turn to your Bibles to the book of John. Would you turn to that? Turn to the book of John. Chapter 10. And this is important. And in John chapter 10, it talks about the, these are the men, uh, the shepherds, all the shepherds of Israel, all the good shepherds that helped Israel through her tough times. All the shepherds, all the leaders of Israel came from the north of Israel. Where was Jesus born? In the north of Israel. And it says here, as he's grown up, he's now a full-on adult, And we look at verse 22 of chapter 10, and it says, Now it was the feast of what? Or in Hebrew, Hanukkah. Dedication. Hanukkah. And it was the feast of dedication, and it was winter. Well, when is Hanukkah? Winter. Hanukkah was 200 years before Jesus was born. We fought a great war against the Greek Syrians. We won our independence. But they destroyed a lot, a portion of the temple, and there was orgies, and there was all kinds of pig blood in the Holy of Holies. Can you imagine the distraughtness of the Jews as they came? The Maccabees came and went, oh, Lord, oh, look what they've done, look what they've done. But like any Jewish mind, and if you're a Jewish businessman, enough weeping. Roll up your sleeves. Let's set things right. And they began to, oh, I love this story. Look at the servant candle now. And Yeshua, knowing that he was walking about fulfilling scripture, fulfilling the high holy days, even on Hanukkah, he walks in and he sees the portals and he begins to see everything. And he remembers the story. And it was during this time that 200 years before the Levites and priests went in and they saw the great menorah was toppled over. And there was pig blood everywhere. So they uprighted the oil menorah. And there was only seven candles then. The reason why we have nine candles is to remember the eight days of Hanukkah. And Yeshua would have had his own menorah. Can you imagine walking in and they didn't, ladies, they didn't have 409 and, and Comet Ajax, and did the scrubbing. We didn't have any of that. But instead, the stones of the temple were offended. How many know that each one of us have a temple? And so they began to take these big metal things and they began to uproot all the stones that had pig blood and other nasty stuff on it. And the stones of offense were thrown out. And ready for this? They put in new lively stones and shined them to perfection to rededicate the temple. Each one of us, God gave us a temple. And sometimes there's things in our life. I want you to say this after me. Attitude determines access. And a lot of times, the Lord wants to give us 
more hope, more dreams, more, more things. He wants to, to bless us. He wants to use us as we empty ourselves of all the junk out of our lives and to bring in a new dedicated spirit. But you can't do that until the junk has to go. So if you have junk in your life, it's time that you dig it out. Dig it out. It's not going to come easy. It's not going to be easy. Dig it out. Remove it into the rubbish. And let the Holy Spirit put in new, lively stones. New, lively stones. There is no greater gift. There is no greater privilege than to serve. And Yeshua came to serve. But even so, he went into the wilderness and the Lord prepared him for service. A lot of times, you may ask yourself, why am I going through these tough times? Because look at me, look at me. He's preparing you. He wants you to get rid of all the junk. So, you, so he can put in, in your heart, spiritual, new, lively stones. New, lively stones. And it says here, if you will look at the, uh, verse 22 of chapter 10. There was a feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus, or Yeshua, his Hebrew name, walked in the temple on Solomon's porch. Then the Jews, I hate when they do this. Folks, it isn't, and the Jews. It's actually in the Hebrew, the Jewish leaders of Israel. Not just not the, the millions of Jews that are in Judea at the time, but these were Jewish leaders that were struggling. Didn't say they rejected him, but a lot of them were struggling with who Yeshua was. And, and they said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And what was the response of Yeshua? I love this. I've told you and you don't believe. How many times we talk to people about Yeshua and they just go, you know, and, you know what about this? And that? I've already told you and you don't believe. Same spirit. The works that I do in my Father's name, you bear witness of me. But you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. Ooh, ouch. He said that to the Sanhedrin. Doesn't make all the Jewish, all the Pharisees and Sadducees were, they were all illegalistic bad people. No, they weren't. Most Sadducees, Pharisees were very good people. But there was a corrupt group of them, and they're the ones that liked to buffet Yeshua whenever they could. But he says here, you're not of my sheep. I was talking to the pastor earlier. You can call yourself, I go to Living Word. I'm one of the gang there. I, let me tell you something. I, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. And hey, you know, hey, you know. Well, I'm sorry. Putting a label on yourself doesn't make you a child of promise. It means this because you're Jewish, it says here, and you're a Jewish leader or you're Jewish people. We're God's chosen people, yes. But it's not enough to just simply say out in the blue, out in the blue I'm God's chosen. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a God's chosen people. I'm part of the Jewish people. Okay, now what? You have to be a child 
of promise. You have to believe in the promise that was to come. And they had a problem with that. I love verse 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, in ancient times and still in certain parts of Israel, if you, a, a newborn you know, baby is born, a lamb, you take it from the mother. Now, you may see this as somewhat brutal, but just hear me out. And they break the leg, painful as it is, of that lamb. And then he holds that lamb, feeds it little dainties, fixes his leg, puts a little stick on it, makes sure it'll grow back, everything will be nice. And he whispers a whistle. The only whistle that that lamb will ever know and recognize. Because as soon as you say it, he knows he's going to get a treat. Then he has another whistle that he teaches the lamb and all the other sheep. And and it's a whistle that all the sheep recognize. And when you do that, all the sheep come running. So not only does he have a, a special whistle or a special calling for all of you, he has a special Not so much a whistle, but a a call in your heart just for you. He's called you. You are his. You are his. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snap them out of my father's hand. I, and this is the one that blew everybody's mind, I and my father are one. Ooh. You're saying the master of the universe, Melech Melachim, the king of kings, the, the lord of lords, you're saying you're one with God? That's what he says. That's what startled everyone. That I am my Father one. I do my Father's bidding. So I say this to you for the time that we have. Do you know him? Or do you know about him? If you know a lot about him, anybody can do that. But do you know him? And the power of his resurrection. Do you know his voice? He knows yours. Do you recognize him? It's important that you know, that you know, that you know. There are many churches in the world, many churches in the USA. All of them say that they know him, but folks, just by sheer numbers, there's a lot of people that are born into the church, but that doesn't mean they're children of promise. It's not enough just to go to living word. I mean, it's nice. This is a great church. But just because you go here doesn't make you a child of promise. You have to make a commitment to the great I am. You have to make a commitment to know him and the power of his resurrection. (laughs) When you know him, there's a, a rebirth that takes place in your soul. Yeshua was born on the feast day of Sukkot, that as he grew up, he grew older, 
he would know his mission here on earth and be the ultimate servant for us all. The light is here. The example is here. Do you know him? Do you? Are you, do you know that it, it's so important to be a servant? The greatest, most greatest privilege on earth is to serve. He came to show you that. Do you know him? Shall we pray? Father, we come before you on this Christmas morning, on this last day of Hanukkah. Who would ever thought that both would be joined together? Oh, Lord. Oh, Father. Oh, help us to be servants of one another. Help us to be servants of the world. We're supposed to be a light to the nations. Oh, help us. Help us to swallow our pride and to learn how to be a servant. Not just being a servant, but to learn how to be a servant. To do things accurately and to do things correctly and to, to be obedient to faith and to trust you for all things. We thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings. Touch our souls, we pray this in your most precious name. Would you say amen? Pastor, would you come? Would you come? Oh, you want me to sing? Oh, boy. I had a funny feeling he'd do this. Stand up, please.